0: Welcome to Season 2 of Girl Gang the Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Will, and the founder of GirlGangTheLabel.com.
1: My name is Krista and I'm the Senior Vice President of Brand Creative, formerly of the History Channel, and now I work for A&E Studios. And this
0: is Girl Gang, the podcast. Okay, so first I'd love to talk about, you started out as a PA, right? That's right. And then can you talk about that journey from being a PA and just touch on different points of the story, companies that you worked for and how you got to the position you're at today?
1: I started out, actually, I in high school, believe it or not, uh, the high school that I went to in Tom's River, New Jersey, had a television studio, and it was part of the classes that I took, honestly, because I didn't want to take a math class, is really what it boiled down to and realized i didn't quite have that sort of aptitude so when this program uh when i was kind of encouraged to take this class i was just bit by the bug and suddenly i'm running around and doing extracurricular activities and videotaping everything and just found this great love of running around and and uh we broadcast some of the stuff that we worked on in, in class so it was really fun on local cable and uh, so I made my way to New York City, and my first job was literally getting bagels for the craft service table. And I remember when the producer called me, it was a friend of a friend. I had never worked in New York City before, and I remember them asking me if I knew what craft services was. And, I, of course, I had no idea. So it was it was when i i was like well what do i do what do i get and they're like well you, you know it's refreshments for talent and for the crew and and i was like well what what kind of refreshments They're like have you ever been stoned and of course and i didn't want to answer that <laughs> <laughs> i'm like hmm. they're like well just it, imagine you're really really high and just that's what you want to get um and i did really well turns out <laughs> so uh so i started off being a production assistant and i worked freelance for years um And at that time, in the film business, so I was doing a lot of commercials and music videos. um, The natural trajectory kind of seemed to be in production for a lot of women, either that or makeup artists or stylists. That seemed to be the roles that that women were assigned. So, of course, I I started off as a production assistant, then a production coordinator, production manager, and worked my way up to producing. Uh, So I was just a set girl and uh, did a whole bunch of different projects for years and years, I then went to work for Heavy.com, which launched Much Music USA, which turned into Fuse, and that was my first real foray into television and broadcast. And shortly thereafter, I started working for Sundance Channel, and then made my way over to A&E Networks. And when I started here, I was a production manager on the production side. And as time progressed, I wanted to get more and more on the creative side, and I just started jumping in and doing things so I was tapped in to work for the History Channel probably about eight years ago and uh, again I was just managing the budget Uh, I was a director of production at the time and suddenly I just started seeing these opportunities and I wanted to direct more so I just started jumping on all of these projects without really being asked I just sort of kind of inserted myself in the process and suddenly one day my boss came in and said congratulations you're now a creative director you don't have to do budgets anymore and I was so excited because of that aforementioned aversion to math Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, so I was so excited and I got to become a creative and um, then we just started you know, history was on this incredible ascent and trajectory, um, in terms of ratings and recognition. So we just kind of had one successful campaign and project after the next. And then I took over the department and it just kind of
0: grew from there. I remember you told me about designing the logo for Vikings on this napkin in a bar. Can you talk about that story and different other stories like that in your process? Sure. Um, the series Vikings was
1: our first foray into a scripted drama as a network. We had done many series, Hatfields and McCoys, that was very successful, but this is the first real actual scripted drama. And I gravitated towards it. I couldn't wait to get started on it. And Vikings uh, kind of had this... um, You know, Vikings in itself is a subject. There were all these preconceived notions. Everyone's like, you know, they run around with horned helmets. But as we dug deeper, we worked with world-famous historians, uh, the the folks who dug in and did all the research on it. Michael Hurst is the show's only writer. He's an executive producer, but he dug deep into the research and found out that there is such such a complex kind of... um, the Vikings were just such a complex people. There was so much more to them. They believed in family and loyalty. And, um, you know, they were farmers. They were innovators with shipbuilding. They, no one else had ever built ships like them before that could sell across an ocean and up a river. So there was so much more to them than, than just that kind of uh, basic stereotype. So... I've really dug in deep on it was our first season, and I'm trying to come up with an identity for them, and that's usually where you start anytime you you work on a, a campaign or you have a new brand. Is you start usually with a logo, and you mm-hmm. start with, okay, what's the look and feel? What are the what kind of image do we want to craft for these guys? So uh, when it came time to do the logo, it started with me looking at a ton of images. Uh, it shows this incredible image of, of the front end of a, uh, an actual Viking ship, and I just love the curves on it. And, uh, and then, of course, I was looking up old Viking logos, a lot of uh, Celtic designs that had meaning to it. So I wanted to have symbols that represented every part of a Viking's life. And, of course, so one side of the V kind of emulates that kind of boat design. And then there's a symbol that meant brotherhood, actually, in in Vikings uh, symbolism, Norse symbolism. Um, And then on the right side of the V was the blade that was blood splattered for the original uh, logo, So it just kind of showed this great duality and complexity of their world. So it started with the identity of that. And I couldn't quite put my finger on what I wanted. So I just remember sitting literally at a bar. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting at a bar and uh, just kind of quickly jotted something down on a napkin and gave it to the designers who actually could could do something more with it. But mm-hmm. uh, that logo, it's still to this day one of my most favorite things that I've ever been a part of because – When you see something that you've kind of had in your head and it comes to life, to me, that's such a fun, great feeling. Uh, People have sent me Vikings posters from all over the world. Or when I go and visit the set in Ireland and the crew is wearing a hat with a Vikings logo, it's so much
0: fun to go like, I did that. (laughs) And it's really fun. Um, And then... I'm so excited that I got the pleasure to people to visit on set before, and that energy on there is amazing. That studio is absolutely incredible. Can you talk about um, a typical day on set for you outside of the office and what that looks like on the producing and creative side? Sure. I think every
1: project is different. Every mm-hmm. project has its own personality, and you kind of have a gut early on if it's going to go sideways or not, just sometimes everything's aligned, you have a perfect concept, you know exactly how you want to execute it, and sometimes things just don't go your way. The weather doesn't cooperate, or the talent doesn't want to cooperate. Uh, it, can, it can go any given number of ways. Um, so usually, I've always said, as a, as a producer and as a production person, if I've done my job right, you just plan for everything, you get there, and in theory, we should be really, really boring and bored on set. It should all just go like clockwork. But if not, there's usually a plan B and you have to course correct along the way. Um, so for me, there's just an excitement and an anticipation of that. And what I love about being on set is that you you you're just in the moment. You have to be able to focus on the task at hand. You're not thinking about later on, you're just thinking of, okay, we're here, we have this opportunity, this one chance to get what we need to get, Uh, you know, for a myriad of reasons. It's availability of talent, it's budget-wise, we can't keep going back over and over again. So this is our our shot, we have to nail it. Um, So there's an excitement in that. Um, There's an excitement to solving problems, frankly. I think that's, that's half the battle. Sometimes you just have to make compromises along the way, and you have to really kind of course correct so it's thinking on your feet and to me I just love kind of being in that moment of going right okay so that doesn't work Uh, let's turn the camera over that way and bingo you got it and it's better than you even anticipated and it's also great collaboration if you get a really great group of creative people together it's amazing what usually comes from that Uh, and, and there's no again to me there's no feeling like having a concept come to life in front of your eyes and you know when you're shooting it you know when you have a good take and you know when it's going to cut together. You're going to have this amazing product that you can't wait to run around and go, look, mm-hmm. look what we did. <laughs> so it's
0: really fun. And then that was, so that was the very first scripted series on History Channel. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was that like? Were you involved in the process of deciding to switch to scripted series or how did that come to be? The head of the network
1: at the time actually saw this opportunity to go into scripted dramas. Um, and so it was it was a company-wide effort. And I mm-hmm. think it was... You know, television just became this. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure exactly the evolution, but I, I would say that she was visionary. She actually saw that television becoming this new kind of medium that that it's become in terms of storytelling and robust storytelling in the scripted world. Uh, I think we had just seen AMC make this slight transformation with The Walking Dead at the time. The head of history, Nancy Dubuque, mm-hmm. was sort of a visionary and a maverick when it comes to television. And she was able to kind of see this direction of scripted dramas really being successful in other places and just pivoted and and started to steer us in that direction. And she uh, had it started with Hatfields and McCoys, actually, and that turned out to be still to this day one of the biggest rating success stories in all of broadcast cable and television history itself. I think night one had over 16 million viewers, and that was several years ago. So it was really, it was it was almost easy to make that transition. Plus, history had the benefit of having... All of, all of these years of research anytime they aired a special it could be on Vikings or Cowboys or any topic and, and you could see instantly what rated and what piqued people's interest And Vikings was one of those topics so that seemed a very natural progression just straight into, uh, straight into series.
0: I love all the transitions that television has been making over the handful of years and I feel like it's really the golden age like I love watching TV versus mm-hmm. movies right now and so that's why I was curious because it's like, growing up, I just loved watching the History Channel and then mm-hmm. being able to have scripted series, but with the DNA of, like, History Channel, something with a lot of integrity mm-hmm. is just so... It's amazing to live in a time where that those kinds of things are happening.
1: Absolutely. I think television is this great new frontier for actors and, and, and well, talent even behind the camera. People are, are are snapping up series and coming to series because it's this... it's you know, more robust storytelling than just kind of your average film. Now, you know, you talk to actors and they're so excited to play actual character arcs that span for many episodes. Um, And there's a lot of really interesting stories that I think I I can't imagine being told within a two hour time span. So it only fits as a series. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it was, uh, it was exciting to make that turn.
0: Um, Sure. And, you were a part of Roots and won an NAACP award for that. Can you talk about um, the conceptualizing that show and um, some stories maybe of being on the ground floor of that? Sure. Roots
1: actually was, it was coming up on the 40th anniversary of, of Roots, which had initially aired in 1977. Our programming team uh, our programming team partnered with Mark Wolper, whose father actually produced the original Roots, and it just oh, seemed gosh. like a natural fit for it to be on History for a multitude of reasons. And they wanted to just reimagine it for this next generation. And and it really, I could not believe the talent that they attracted to it, and it, it was it was really intense. Um, so. The NAACP Image Award was for Best Documentary, and basically I had a really easy job. I, I went around and documented the making of, because I think it was important to, especially with uh, what's going on culturally, I think it was important for us to talk about why we were doing it and why why did we want to put this out there again for a whole new generation of people who don't even know what the original roots was. Um, so we were able to do that, and we followed along behind the productions and talk to everyone all the stakeholders from Mark Wolper to all the stars to the cast to key crew people and put this great piece together that just really encapsulated why now, why why is it important for the next generation and so yeah we were, we were really lucky with that and also the short form that was cut from
0: that, that best documentary actually was Emmy nominated as well I'm really curious about So when a project is in place like that, do you just decide, I want to be following this. I think it's important to be documenting it. Like you said, do you do that for all of your shows, just maybe not as in-depth, or how does that work? Sometimes, again,
1: it really depends on the show and Mm -hmm. the story behind it. I think, especially when it comes to scripted dramas, I think that a lot of people, including myself, maybe because I'm just such a set nerd, that... I love seeing behind the scenes, and I love seeing how things are made, and I'm always the one looking at that, you know, all the all the DVD extras or whatever, you know, I'm always the one seeing how they did it and how they got a certain shot, and I'm looking at, you know, YouTube posts, different things all the time, there, there are um, posts about, you know, how things are made or, you know... Special effects, just all that, all that kind of stuff. So I get really into it. So I think when there's usually like a big scene or something, I think it's always interesting to go cover it, and then we have it if we mm-hmm. if we want to use it for marketing. Um,
0: so it's just a nice little added value thing. I love that, that stuff too. That's the most exciting part to me. And you see it as a viewer, but then being able to feel like you're a part of it from the outside is, I mean, it just gives you a deeper connection to the. Not just the storytelling, but the people that are telling the stories, mm-hmm. which to me is just as fascinating. So, um,
1: I, I love the creative process mm-hmm. in anything. I mean, my my favorite TV shows, believe it or not, Project Runway and Top Chef. And I can't cook and I can't sew, <laughs> but <laughs> but. I love seeing this challenge presented to people and seeing what they come up with and how their brains work, and it's just fascinating to me. And I could watch that kind of stuff all day long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotta make it work. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One of my favorite things lately is I've started doing a lot of um, co-branded style entertainment, uh, more short-form kind of series that are co-branded. Mm-hmm. And what's so much fun about that is sometimes taking two incredibly disparate brands and trying to put them together. So it's like you know two great tastes that taste great together. Mm-hmm. Now, but it's finding these two different things and then figuring out how to make them work seamlessly so it doesn't feel it doesn't feel forced. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's a great thing to to always kind of work through and solve. Um, that's goodness. so cool. It's really fun it's it's because it's not it's not easy mm-hmm. all the time so just finding things that don't feel forced and don't feel like we're shoving you know uh, a commercial down someone's throat we mm-hmm. want to provide content and something that's really entertaining but at the end of the day they're they're usually sponsored so mm-hmm. we want to make sure that um, they come across first and foremost as really informative and entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sometimes often a lot lot more difficult than you
0: think. I know since you're in it, everything maybe seems more connected because it's all like set in production, but from someone from the outside, you know, producing, being senior vice president of creative and directing, those are three totally different things. So can you talk about sure. how um, directing kind of started and some projects that you've done?
1: Sure. I think that I always wanted to be a director. When I really look back and I think about the whole trajectory and where I got started in in that high school class I really got behind the camera and just started talking to people and setting up shots and angling it up and you know I think again at the time when I was a production assistant and coming up through the ranks in New York it was just the easier and more normal progression for a woman I think honestly was to go into production and producing and so that just kind of was was my trajectory but I always kind of had that hankering to be a director and to to helmet a little bit more from a creative execution standpoint I mean you get that a little bit as a producer too but you're also minding the store so you're you know you're you are watching the bottom line and you're keeping track of budget and you're responsible for people you have to make sure that you know your set is safe and everyone does their job and you know everything goes according to plan and budget mm-hmm. so that that's one side of it but i think i always had that longing to really just just dig or dig deeper into the creative so when I would produce for different directors, I found myself often being a little bit of a backseat driver, um, much to their dismay, probably. <laughs> but I, I would always say, oh, about what, what if we did this or what if we did that? And when I saw a couple opportunities here, um, I didn't start directing until I actually became a creative director here at History. Because, again, there were these opportunities. And I had a boss who was gracious enough to just say, OK, go nuts. Don't fuck it up. If you wanna, if you wanna try this, if you wanna direct this, that's great. But uh, just don't embarrass me, kind of thing. <laughs> um, and uh, so that was really the first time I had directed anything, and it felt um, it was everything that I kind of wanted it to be. I was definitely super, super nervous. It was a Geico caveman spot, believe it or not. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I was super nervous and. I just remember the first thing up here when I when I yelled yelled action and and I just kind of kept watching the monitor and after the action had long the take was long over everyone just kept looking at me they're like um are you gonna yell cut <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh yeah that's that's my job now um, so it was great um, so I did a, a handful of those and then. you you get busy with your day job a little bit and then on the side I just started I had a couple opportunities to direct music videos or I started talking to friends saying you know I really kind of want to do stuff a little bit outside of history and I want to there's this little muscle that I want to flex a little bit so you know I think music videos kind of were an easy start a little bit more artistic sometimes um and I love music and so I just thought it would be a really fun thing to kind of just kind of keep working on my style and really without really knowing what that meant yet fully. And now I know certain things that I like and what I don't like. I now have the vocabulary to really talk to people about, you know, what shots I want, what lenses I want, how to even color correct. And I, I have certain uh, there's certain things that I'm always asking for. And I realize I'm like, oh, I, I do have a style. I do have a perspective. And that's that's what I want. So just really. um kind of fine-tuning that and honing in on that was was super important so that was a lot of fun when you're passionate about what you do and it sounds so hokey but it it's not really work and I don't see it as work Mm -hmm. when I go home and I work on some some things on the side or if I'm writing something or thinking about directing something it, it just doesn't feel like extra to me it feels like well this is this is this is what I do. This is my hobby on the side. Some people like to, you know, do needlepoint. I just, I like, I like filmmaking. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I think being a creative person, you have to constantly challenge yourself. I mean, for me, I don't like staying sedentary for very long. And I think without challenging yourself, you know, you might fall into the same routine over and over again. And I think I, I, I like to be scared. I like to be a little uncomfortable because I think that's the way that you grow and you become better. Mm-hmm. So in terms of juggling both, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's just a matter of, of taking time to to figure out your priorities and giving yourself the headspace to, to, to do what you want to do. And if that means, you know, taking time off from work to go and pursue outside endeavors, I will do that. And if it means, um, you know, just, you know, putting that on hold for a while so I could focus on, on the day job, I'll do that as well. And, mm-hmm. I've, and I've done both. And that's why I've kind of toggled back and forth between two worlds versus just like going full board towards directing. Mm-hmm. So when I have other responsibilities, you know, obviously I have to, I have to take care of, uh, you know, everything on that front.
0: Mm-hmm that makes sense i feel like if it goes too long without my palms getting sweaty i need to change something in my life for sure when (laughs) i get too comfortable with stuff i'm like oh i'm ready for the challenge again yeah like i never want to be an expert really at anything i want to always have something to look forward to so and i find that everyone i've interviewed that's one commonality everyone's had is that it's not work life and personal life it's just living and Mm -hmm. living your purpose Mm -hmm. and so um I'm hoping maybe someone that has a traditional job and wants to pursue a creative, they're not looking at it as like, oh, but I'm so exhausted when I come home from work. It's Mm -hmm. like, I'm so excited to potentially get closer to my purpose in life. Um, I agree. It doesn't have to be either or. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that you can...
1: You can probably do it all if if you want to. And it, it is about kind of living your best life. And And I have fallen into that rut, too. Sometimes sometimes you can get there when you're just so exhausted at the end of the day that you feel like you have nothing more to give. But uh, So that could be an ebb and flow sometimes, too. But it's really, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's just about really deciding what you want, what makes you happy. And I think that the, the path becomes clear. Mm-hmm. I think I was sort of stuck in this production manager, line producer role here for a couple of years. And I think I was always, in myself, I didn't have the confidence to really start jumping in on the creative in a way that I really kind of deep down wanted to. And I I can't remember exactly when or how it happened, but something clicked in me where I just kind of recognized the fact that if I didn't just start jumping into things, no one's, no one's going to hand deliver it to me. Mm-hmm. I have to be the one to make that move and I have to put myself out there. And it wasn't easy for me. I'm not – believe it or not, I can be relatively shy and introverted. So to suddenly put myself out there and say, I want to do this and I need this and I have a perspective on this, even giving feedback to the creatives. So when they would come in with a spot and they would show me and I would give them advice and I would start giving them feedback, solicited or not, (laughs) and and suddenly – I wasn't afraid to use my voice, and I wasn't afraid to kind of really step in and say, well, this is this is what I see, and this is my vision, and this is how I think it should be. And lo and behold, people started to listen, and they sat up and listened, and then suddenly they started to value that input in a way that even I, I didn't realize. But it, it took finding my voice and having that confidence to really go in and, and, and be vocal about it that suddenly – next thing I know people started to really listen and value that and then they would put me in charge of more and more and more and I just suddenly became a voice in a, in the room that people seemed to listen to and and uh and it was a really profound kind of change I noticed at the moment that I really had that confidence was really when you know I got a promotion and then I got another promotion and mm-hmm. then I got another promotion so it was just a again, not overnight, <laughs> but it did kind of happen like that. Yeah.
0: But I mean, so. even those things too, cause I, there's also, I think that, um, if you're working hard and you're aligned with what you're supposed to be doing, things can, the trajectory can go a lot faster. Mm-hmm. So even I just, yeah, I just think there's so many stories that I want people to hear and people that aren't in LA and New York and don't have friends that are really pushing themselves in these creative industries and even someone scared to take on photography as a hobby and maybe start shooting some weddings. There's just all these things I think people can do to align more with their purpose and there's just um, it's a really inspiring time but I also think It's also, um, there's still a lot of negativity and internal conversations women have in their heads that you Mm -hmm. kind of get in your own way. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, I just started young and kind of threw myself in situations where I didn't think about it too much. It ended up pushing me forward quicker than I expected. And I woke up one day and like, I've worked really hard, but I never thought I would be like doing these things right now. And I can't imagine what it would be like to be, um, my age and like just starting to figure out what my purpose is or being mm. like wake up in a job and not be creatively fulfilled and figure out what do I do now do I just settle or do I try to do something else right and understanding the confidence and the patience in that fine line it's just I mean when I've like tried to dive deep online I haven't found much so I feel like this is your conversation is super helpful good but I'm glad. Yeah, I love it well thank you so much for sitting down and talking of with course. me today thank you for having me yes.